Hey, so welcome to Dog Backwards. This is a special episode. This is going to be the last one before I disappear for a month. I'm going on sabbatical, which is the first time I've ever done one. Have you ever done a sabbatical? I've never done a sabbatical. Why not? I've never been church that allowed one. Oh, well. 48 years in the ministry yeah. and I had to retire. Well, that's that's a sabbatical, I guess. Right? I don't know. I'm still working. <laughs> so um, this is the third church plant I've been a part of. Um, church planting is considered by many to be one of the most difficult jobs in ministry. Uh, I did not have gray hair uh, before I started. You never worked in the nursery, have you? I know the nursery. The, nursery, the hardest work yes, there is yeah. at church. Um, and so my church has granted me a sabbatical. I, I get the month of January off. And uh, I wanted to do one last podcast to put out there before that. And we were just having a conversation. This is uh, Today our guest is the Honorable Dr. Walker Moore. Uh, AKA my pops, my dad, uh, my BFF. And so we were having this conversation and I says, we got to do a podcast on this. I actually got asked uh, by one of the listeners if we would cover this. Because in my last podcast on discernment, uh, I got a few messages with people upset about this comment. I don't intentionally try to be uh, divisive I just sometimes my nature is divisive, I guess. Uh, but I compared people who think the world is only thousands of years old to flat earthers or Holocaust deniers. <laughs> and, and you have a belief that the world is six to 10,000 years old. And so I don't, I don't say, oh, you guys are like flat earthers. 30%, somewhere between 30 and 40% of evangelical Christians believe the world is only several thousand years old. And that is the view that I was taught growing up. And you have quite a few teachings that you've done uh, over the years. And so let me play a little intro music and we'll hop right in. Okay, so um, what went wrong with me that I have abandoned the teaching of my father on what is typically known, if you don't know this, this is a big debate among Christians, and it has been for a long time, between is the world millions of years old, billions of years old, or is it only six, maybe 10,000 years old? The only reason we have this discussion in the first place is because the way some people read Genesis 1, and then they count the genealogies, and they say, therefore, it looks like Genesis saying, the world's only 6,000 years old. So this is, is this what you were taught? And it's what you were, you taught me. Um, what went wrong with me? Well, I, we're still trying to figure that out. Right. Mom and I have many discussions. <laughs> wrong the boy, yeah. you know. He's not like the rest of us there. He walks to a different tune. But uh, you have always been a seeker of something or truth, whatever it is. And... Uh, in, in some ways, you're like your dad because uh, uh, we're very passionate about what we think is true and what is not true. And I'm just a little older than you are, so therefore, uh, I am not as quite as passionate as I used to be because I found out something I held on dearly after years of really working through it. I come to a different opinion. So I say, this is what I believe now. Yeah. This is where I've come to in years of study. I've been studying the scripture almost for 50 years, uh, longer than that, actually, but actually been teaching it for 48. And I grew up with that Genesis first chapter basically was literal, mm-hmm. that uh, Jesus spoke of it, you know, the, the, the first 16th century of Christianity, there was no question about Genesis not being a basically uh, a literal book that uh, it was 24 hours a day. These are how God put it into creation. And from there on, the foundation of the world was, was uh, uh, laid and the rest of history takes place. Now, whether it's 10,000 or 20,000, we don't know. Okay. But it's not the, the, the gazillion years that a lot of... Uh, Creationists, not creationists, uh, people that uh, are, uh, what do they call those people that? Uh, uh, I, we would say um, 
uh, logical thinkers. Uh, <laughs> so, or illogical so thinkers. I, I, I told him because, you know, um, when I approached my dad on this, he's like, I haven't studied this subject in years. And so I don't, there's no like gotcha questions. And we're, ha- we're going to have fun with this. But I wanted to hear people to hear the contrasting views mm-hmm. and uh, kind of the reasoning why I think this view is rather simple. Um, and maybe you can offer some of your explanations of when you read it, why you think it says that way. For me, the way, the way I understand Genesis, um, first, before we take things literally, we have to take them literarily. What kind of literature is Genesis 1 and 2? And there's strong evidence, though there might not be stanzas like there are in Psalms, where it's an obvious poetry. Uh, there's Hebrew poetry element. It, it's prose and poetry mixed together. That's why you have repetitions of there was evening and morning and the first day. You, you have these kind of repetitions. I also have real questions about how would the original people have read it? Uh, earlier today, I was reading um, a scholarly article uh, in a peer-reviewed journal from Dallas Theological Seminary, and they say one of the things that we've missed is that uh, much of Genesis is very related to much of the Egyptian creation myths. And so as Moses is writing this, as they're coming out of Egypt, the way Genesis 1 and 2 is written is like an intentional um, flipping the bird to Egypt and their gods. And like the sun and the moon, guess what? They're not gods. Guess what? Ra didn't create this. God created everything. And they've pointed out all of these rhythmic similarities. Like it's copying the same style. And we see the Bible do this where it'll take a pagan style and flip it and and redeem it. In the same way that we took holidays that were pagan holidays and we've redeemed them, the Bible did the same thing with these other creation narratives. So I don't think they were asking science questions. I I think they're maybe at best just saying, do I worship the sun? Is the moon going to kill me if I don't sacrifice my child? Right? Like they've got very basic needs. And then in Western thought, we come along because of the enlightenment we're asking different questions and we look at ancient literature from Western eyes instead of Eastern eyes. So I think if we just take it literarily, then we're, we're going to resist that urge to take it literally. Um, and if I take it literally, then all of a sudden I have this tension that I think is unnecessary between science and science changes. And that's one of the good things about science. But I also, I love arguments for like the fine-tuning of the universe, right? Um, And Christians use that all the time. Like we can look at the sky, see how fine-tuned everything is, shows there's evidence of God. And we will use science when it benefits us. But then when we feel like it doesn't, we're like, oh, science is the devil and it's trying to trick us. But you have all these different strands of knowledge and information. You have geologists and astrophysicists and biologists and all these independent witnesses of the creation and age of the universe, and they're all in agreement. And I don't see, like, for me, it would have to be some kind of massive conspiracy theory. This is this is where the connection to flat Earth is for me. Like, if it's only six thousand years old, then there's this massive scientific conspiracy theory to trick us into thinking that it's actually really old. So. Um, Well, first of all, I think there is a false assumption in the aging of the earth. For instance, you know, as I read Genesis, Mm -hmm. God created a very matured, matured, matured (laughs) world with age built into it. Okay. If you have a scientist shows up on the second day after the the trees were made, he made them in maturity. They were only grown. They were already producing and reproducing food. Uh, he come along and he sees Adam there and oh, uh, say to a scientist, uh, uh, how old? How long has Adam been here? Well, he's uh, you know five foot uh, 
you know, 10 and a half. He has a mustache. He's a good looking, handsome man, you know, and, uh, my estimation, he'd probably be about 30 years of age. No, he was created like an hour ago. Okay. He, he was made with age. And we see even in Jesus, when he healed people, he didn't put little baby arms on people. Or <laughs> There's maturity in the things of God that when he right. wants to have. And so the earth, I think, was built with age built into it, where science goes back to, has to go back to zero. There's no going back to zero, as far as I can see, because if you showed up a week after the earth was created, you would see something very mature. You would see grown animals. You would see animals that were uh, male, I mean, adults. So you yeah. would see trees that were fully grown. You'd see fields that the, that were ripening into a harvest. And we said, you know, wow, it takes a, a long time to grow a, a tree that big. You had to be at least a, a 500 years old to be a tree that big. No, it was just made yesterday. So as I read the scriptures here, I see the uh, more literal translation as maturity. You know, you talked about the, a while ago about uh, there being uh, uh, night and uh, light day one, dark and yeah. light, you know. And yet there's principle through the whole scripture like that. You know, you, we've been to Israel together. Mm -hmm. And one thing we, uh, <laughs> that I always get frustrated is Shabbat. Yeah. Okay. Because mm -hmm. everything closes down. Yeah. So we won't go somewhere. Well, there's no taxi or Shabbat. You know, it's yeah. it's it's you can't you get know, anything. You can't get anything. Yeah. Can't go to stores. Can't get point A to point B. It's very difficult to get around Israel because they have they take literally the scriptures that the day starts at evening time, starts in darkness, and ends in light, and that's a principle of God. God always, we always start in darkness, the Old Testament first, before we have the New Testament, the light. We have the light, and we have the light givers, you know, the whole thing in the scripture is, you know, we have the old nature before the new nature. We have the Old Testament for the New Testament. There's this whole concept of starting in darkness. God does not end in darkness, always in light. Wherever God is, there's light. You know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, you know, in John 9 chapter. Well, you're pointing out how there's this figurative language of dark to light, and you you apply it figuratively throughout the rest of the Bible, but apply it literally to Genesis. And when it comes to the, the maturity, like um, if we would have shown up on day one of creation and cut a tree down, the rings would say the tree was 50 years old, that there's this illusion of age. But... I find eternal... Is, if God puts age in, is it illusion of age? Or is it really can he age a tree instantly to be old? But I find internal inconsistencies yeah. within Scripture itself on that. For example, Genesis 2, 5. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land, was watering the whole face of the ground. So here... When he when he's talking about in the garden, he says no plant had yet sprung up. There my right there. Yeah. I'm working on it. Mine has been taped together, so mine was ripped out, but it's been taped together. It's not as probably as rough as yours. Um, but it it seems to show when he uses language, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. That to me sounds like a very natural process that God is using. And he's going to use the water, uh, the mist of, uh, to, to water it. He says no rain had fallen yet. So we're going to use the, the, the mist when did the rain for fall, these plants though? to spring up. Because, you know, in Genesis it says that he put a water vapor above the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it did not rain till Noah's time. That's, so, a, that's a whole nother conversation. Conversation. Yeah. yeah. Because if you look at the age of people, how long they live, you know, Adam lived be 930, Noah 950, Methuselah 967. Then there's a line across the scripture where all of a sudden ages go down. Abraham 170, you know, Moses 120, and David 70 years, you know. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden there's a break in the how long people lived. And it hadn't correlate with the water from above. Yeah. was broken loose because mm -hmm. there's not enough water in the atmosphere right now to even flood the world. I mean, if you take all the water and all the humidity in the air and you put it all up on the earth at one time, they tell me it's not going to be very deep. 
So where did he get the water for the flood? Now, can God create water? There's a lot of things. But I think, again, we have to look at, you know... Uh, if an asteroid seven meters long hit the Pacific Ocean, it would destroy all life on Earth through giant tsunamis. I watched a movie the other day. <laughs> Are you going to believe TV over the Word of God? That's where we went wrong. That's where we went wrong. Okay. And this is... Um, <coughs> There, there, sure, there's lots of things in Genesis that are going to take a stretch of faith, right? Um, that people are living 900 years old. I've never seen that. I don't, I don't know how we test that. Um, it, it's not going to be observable. But when it just comes to the age of the earth, and I want to focus on that. Um, why? It, uh, we talk about uh, dating. And a lot of young earth creationists, they say, oh, uh, carbon dating and things like that, they're not reliable. Well, they're, they're very, very reliable up to 55,000 years. Then you have other kinds of dating that uh, are extremely reliable. And uh, we had him on the podcast a while back, uh, astrophysicist Hugh Ross. He says, uh, the laws of physics have never changed, that they are a reflection of God's character. They do not change. He has a verse that he mentions that, that backs up that the laws of physics haven't changed. Gravity in the Garden of Eden is the same as the gravity is here, you know. And he says, if the laws of physics have not changed, then we can know exactly when the universe began to exist. Because we can trace how long it took for this light to get here. And because of that, we're able to know a lot about God and the bigness of his universe relying upon these laws of physics. And he says, we can know the beginning starting point of the universe to like the trillionth of the trillionth uh, degree because the laws of physics are so unbelievably consistent. It's as though they were fine-tuned. And he would be one that says, you know, it's four billion years old. Um, so why is it there's all these, not just a tree that's mature, and I think Genesis 2.5 disagrees with that, um, but then why does God create the illusion of, hey, I created these stars that are so many light years away, and your telescope can see it now because it's taken millions and millions of years to travel here. That, to me, looks like God fabricating evidence for something that would go against what... And you said this has been the view for most Christians, and I, I, I disagree. Um, Hey, they weren't even having this discussion. Augustine says, don't treat Genesis like science. That was Augustine. In the Dark Ages, majority of Christians believed in um, an old earth and a localized flood. Now, the Reformation, uh, that begins to change. The Puritans, uh, they tend to um, believe in a, a young earth. But a lot of them are not working from Hebrew scriptures our ability to understand Hebrew now is so much better. Uh, they're working from the Latin translation, uh, from from Greek to Latin, yeah. however it goes. Yeah. So, but 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 in, in, in the first sixteen uh, centuries, okay, I mean, basically from the time the scriptures started being put together up to about sixteen hundred. The the Vulgate translates it as twenty four hours a day. Uh, the Latin translates it twenty four hours a day. All those people from basically Jesus time up till the Enlightenment period, there was basically no question about Genesis being as it is read in a twenty four hour day. It wasn't till the Enlightenment period or Augustine that we begin to see a shift in. Could there be another way of looking at this? And Augustine struggled with this. Mm -hmm. In fact, he wrote five commentaries on Genesis trying to figure out Genesis. Mm -hmm. And I read that he, he died still troubled. He didn't know whether he had Genesis mm -hmm. right or not. Because he you know, has that whole, could it be a uh, literary interpretation or little interpretation? Yeah. They, 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 they tended to think that it was allegorical. And they would find allegory in everything. They would be like, uh, he created the trees. This is a foreshadowing of the cross, you know. And uh, they did a lot of numerology where they would see this. Uh, there was like 
trees created on this day, if you take the, uh, the, the Latin of the initials of Jesus plus the word for seven, it's shaped like a tree. And so then we have a tree. And they, they, would, they would do all of these that things. That has been since I have been alive. I'm yeah. 70 years old, going to 71. That stuff been going on of forever course. and ever and, and ever. And I would say um, people do that unintentionally. It's more of a reflection of their culture, not what the original recipients saw. I, I, I agree with and, that. And uh, I'm interested not in what, though I think there's there's some arguments that there were some early Orion, Augustine, early church fathers believed in, uh, in some sense, an old earth, maybe not as defined as it is now. Um. But I, I just see, from what we can know, the word that's used for day can be more than 24-hour period. But most of the time in the scriptures, uh, in fact, I even wrote it down, sure. that, uh, uh, that it's used 2,301 time, uh, and that where it meant a 24-hour period. There's 40 uh, times uh, plus a number, like uh, yom is the word for yeah, for day, right. with a number that goes with it. Uh, even Exodus, you know, uh, Exodus 20, uh, 9 through 11, it uses the Genesis model for a man's work week. Mm-hmm. You know, you work, you know, just as it was in the day of creation, you work on six mm-hmm. days and you rest on the seventh. And you use that as a model for a man's work week, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So even Exodus referred back to it as a 24-hour period of creation time can god do you know i don't know why we have to hold god to 24 hours or twenty-five thousand years god you know so i i think i think people um should follow the evidence where it leads right well you say that Mm -hmm. but we've just gone through all that with this covid stuff you know (laughs) okay we have evidence if you wear a mask, you know. Now they're saying, yeah. well, the mask you wear is not good. Yeah. Uh, only 10%. Now you need to get this kind of mask, and you stay away six feet. And if you do that, well, that's, we, we, the yeah. evidence has led us all over the creation right now. You know? So uh, that's why uh, it's dangerous for evidence to be politicized. Um, but we also don't look in short time frames. We look in long time frames. If we zero in and this scientist says this right now, but we say, but what about the course of humanity and uh, the history of germology, right? And we know, okay, if a particle is this small, it can go through a mask unless it's an N95. They should have been saying the whole time, look, the only mask that's worth anything is the N95. The rest, your your bandana with Mickey Mouse on it isn't going to stop. But you, you heard know, scientists after science, wear a mask, course, wear a mask, course, wear a mask, yeah. mask. So which scientists are we going to believe and how many, and, and, and such is the same thing with science. It has more divisions in, in a Baptist church. Oh, it's close. <laughs> close. It's close. Yeah. I mean, it is so, really, uh, I think the important thing is it, it, we don't want to rabbit trail on this too much, but some scientists are saying that, but there are a lot of scientists who have said, um, these masks do nothing and they're just not given a platform. And so we can pick and choose which one we listen to. But if I, I don't know of an astrophysicist or a geologist that, uh, and there's many Christian people in those fields who believe the Bible, love Jesus, and say there's no reason to believe the earth is 6,000 years old. There's no evidence for it. And kind of the only people saying that it is young are people who are... Uh, have a theological reason to say so but without evidence to back it up there, there are these like well it was created to look old or um so so let let me ask if if um carbon dating is good for fifty-five thousand years dinosaurs supposedly lived on earth for 160 million years right i, I so, don't know how long i wouldn't round yeah well i mean you remember some of them right you know <laughs> old gary um so if they can say not even going back to zero, but here's this dinosaur. And we can tell by the carbon-14 molecule that has disintegrated over a certain period of time, and it's consistent, um, that there are 55,000 years between this dinosaur and that dinosaur, and we can know that, right? And then we can recreate that same model over and over and over again to give us all of the different prehistoric eras and they seem to be consistent um, and coherent. They have like the internal consistencies. 
But somebody comes along and says, no, nah, it's, it's only 5,000 years old and Adam was riding a triceratops, right? You see, like that's, a, that's an obstacle for me. That's, that does not help my faith. That hinders my faith. Mm-hmm. Because I, I see it as an unnecessary obstacle. I'm supposed to answer that. I don't know. Yeah, right? I mean... Because, again, here it is that we, the scientists, 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 and I'm going, I don't know how much of that is true. Because 10 years from now, there might be different scientists find out that these sciences are not right. And this, you know... Science does change. Science does yes. change. And uh, so, therefore, I, I'm going... I want air to the safe side. Now, that might seem like a cheap way out, but sure. I find no reason why I cannot believe. Now, do I get preach on the new uh, new earth you know, yeah. theology? No, I don't. Yeah. Do I teach that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? You bet yeah. I do. Okay? Yeah. And now, I, I also teach that it was a 24-hour period. I teach there was a systematic you know, making of the earth, how he did it. And we said that'd be the light. There was light before there were ever light givers. But again, that's consistent in the scriptures, you know, of of light appearing to us first before, you know, people get convicted before they ever know who Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ is. They need a savior, you know. They, they know there's something out there. They see nature and is there a God, you know. We have light, you know. The light giver is still out there yet. So did he create the light in transit? You know, he created the light at first, you know. Then he created the light giver behind it. Does that say that, well, that breaks all laws of, you know, science well, in that way? You know, since that... Not, neither of us um, are scientists, um, we, we're theologians, right? Well, I'm um, we, we're, we're armchair. We're armchair theologians. theologians. I mean, yes. I get paid to be one, yeah. but I'm still an armchair theologian. Um, and I'm no expert in Hebrew. But I remember you telling me growing up that yom means 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. But if I just look at something like Genesis 1-4, the very first time day appears. Yes. Um, it says, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day. Mm-hmm. Now, light doesn't last 24 hours. But here he's calling the light itself day. So um, if I'm to be told... In the biblical narrative, usually Yom means 24-hour period, and that is the common one. Well, I can I can automatically go, okay, well, this is a creation is not a common thing. It happened one time, never happened again, that everything was created out of nothing. Um, and the first instance that I see this word, I, I go, well, so it was just a light for 24 hours? Because it, there, it obviously doesn't mean a 24-hour period. It means just the light. Um, and we, they tend to take that literally, but like Genesis 1 16, it says, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. Well, we know that the moon doesn't have a light of its own, Mm -hmm. that it only reflects. But if I was to take this literally, then it would be, I I would be consistent with the young earth position to say that this is literal scientific, historical, to say though the moon actually has its own light because the Bible says so, why do you deny the Bible? It's only NASA and the government that says the moon doesn't have its own light, but I'm, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, and it says the moon has its own light. And elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about the world on pillars, but we know the world isn't on pillars, or Joshua, when the sun stands, stands still, you know, he says, the sun rises. Well, it looks like it rises to him from his position, but we know the sun is not actually rising and falling. Yeah. And so we say, well, we take it literally, but then there's other areas that I can point to that they don't take it literally. Pretty good answer? Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, go back to verse, you know, uh, and God called the light day in verse 5, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning, what, one day. Mm-hmm. So what he's, what he's doing, he's setting up a system here, okay? He's saying this is how the world is going to be set up. Because before this, in the beginning, and in, in, in the Hebrews, in Barat Elohim, in beginning God, mm-hmm. okay, or God's, if you want to get technical yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. But it is the position 
that he is setting up the framework for which in his creation is going to live. He's setting up what the, the rotation of the world. There's going to be a part of the day, part of the time in this day, quote unquote, it's going to be dark. In another part of it, it's going to be light. Now, if you live in Alaska, it might be longer light, longer right, day. Right, yeah. But it's it, but he's saying there is a system to it. Mm -hmm. he, he's an orderly God, you know how he's putting this together, and that we're going to see that in the uh, system as he begins to develop it and puts it together, that he adds to it as he comes along. Yes, there's a lesser light. Now, does he say is this a let, uh, light giver? Is it does he say that, or just says there's a lesser light? Um, Verse sixteen. Yeah, light he says given. he made two great lights. Uh huh. Right. So he's like, there's one light and there's another light. There's two lights, not one light source. It says he made two lights, and if we were to take that literally, then the moon creates its own light. But we don't take that literally. It's for me, yes. the way you're talking, I agree with most of what you say because you're saying he's setting up the system and he's letting you know who made it. Where did it come from? And he's like, uh, because, yes, though he does end the first day, the same word yom right here, the very first time it's used, does not mean a literal 24-hour day. When it's, it's applying, it's talking about light. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, the daytime is going to have light in it and the nighttime is going to be dark. And he clarifies it. Both of these are day one. Yeah. But we would okay. say, um, we can't say then yom means 24-hour period, um, unless it's a unique time, right? When it starts off the very first time it's used is, is an exception. Yeah. Well, so the very first time, if it's an exception, then why not assume there's going to be exceptions in this? Like, like, for instance, your generation. Let me just, put, let me just use you as an example. Mm -hmm. You have a birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? <laughs> is it May the 23rd? No, no. <laughs> yeah. It's the 20, 29th. 29th, okay. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know my kids' birthdays either. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you caught me off guard. Right? <laughs> it's like when someone says, oh, when did you and your wife get married? You just but, freeze. But, what, but, but you don't have birthdays anymore. You have birthday months or birthday weeks. Mm -hmm. That don't make sense. This is my birthday week. There's no such thing as birthday weeks, you know. But you guys have that. I, I there's a yeah, lot of people. Our family does. Our family does birthday week. Yeah. Your, your family does birthday mm -hmm. weeks. Okay, that is contrary to the word day. You can't have either have a birthday or birth week, but you call yeah. your birthday week. So I again here it is. So you're saying the Bible is contradictory, like my birthday, like your birthday, right? Okay. Now. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is that we, he has given some sense in here, knowing that when he, we read the whole thing, we understand what day is, even though he called the light day. Okay, the darkness called night. There was even morning one day, and he adds a number to it. Okay, yeah. to, to set of, say I've completed now this whole cycle here. Yeah. And day includes not only light but also includes darkness. Mm -hmm. And and we've lived by that since then. You know, the world has been set in motion. I, I really love Genesis because uh, Genesis, you know, is is the your Bible's falling apart. Yes. Okay. Hang on a second. Your your the the whole if you take the whole scripture out between Genesis and Revelation. Those two books come together just like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have the beginning of the world. You have the end of the world. Mm -hmm. You have the beginning of sin. You have the end of sin. You have the beginning of man. You have the end of man. You know, the whole scripture comes together like this, mm -hmm. fits together. When we start messing around with it, then it's hard to put the puzzles together. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, the, the scripture is... Do I understand all the scriptures? No. Can I explain everything in the scripture? No. Okay. What I do understand, I ha that's enough to last me for a lifetime, you know. I'm starting to try to figure out Jesus loves me. You know, that's, right. that still is, is more puzzling to me than the creation. There was a great Christian philosopher when he was dying. They, they asked him, uh, and his name escapes me. They said, what is the greatest thing you've ever learned? Yeah. Of all your years studying the Bible. Have you heard this one? Mm -hmm. And he says... Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells, tells me so. so. Yeah. That was the greatest thought that he had ever, you know, experienced. Yeah, yeah. Now, I agree, Genesis and Revelations are, are, are bookends, and they go together well, but much of Revelations is allegory, it, yeah. apocalyptic literature. It's using imagery to express an idea. 
Um, and that's where I disagree there, somewhat on there's, that. Yeah, like, well, yeah. Um, when it says the beast, well, is it going to be a beast? Or is that representative language trying to explain something to us, right? Well, and like, um, and like when in Revelation, when... Uh, uh, are God's feet really made of bronze? Yeah. Well, that's mm -hmm. what I start saying yeah. in Revelation, the second chapter, when John saw, uh, or first chapter, John saw Jesus, you know, uh, yeah. glorified. Mm -hmm. And his hair was white like, uh, like wool. Yeah. You know, and he was trying to find words to describe to us humanly mm -hmm. what he saw. Was it white like wool? No, it wasn't. It was way something more than yeah. you can't explain. And so he's trying to describe it so we can understand it. We, we got to realize there are things like that. And, you know, you always, you tell your kids, I love you to the moon and back. Yeah. What does that mean? Do you actually literally love them to the moon and back? Sometimes barely the driveway and back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sometimes not even yeah. in the driveway. It's like, oh, i got to walk all the way up this driveway. I know they're just going to scream yeah. at but, me. But again, yeah. we, we, we all use this kind of language there. But just because we use it once does not mean it's it's that's the way we use it every time. You know? So uh, let, me, let me make two points here. Uh, I only have three points left, right? Um, maybe I just shotgun them all and then you can respond. Um, there's lots of times even in Genesis where yom means like either a process of time in Genesis 4.3, uh, a harvest time in Genesis 30.14, uh, Joshua uses the word uh, in 24-7 for a long season. So there's there's plenty of places in the Bible where it's flexible. Um, if I look at the, the world that we live in, and it appears to be really old, um, and there's flexibility in the word for, for day, then I just don't feel the need to force the 24-hour period in there. Um, Especially if it just creates all what like unnecessary contention. Okay, one me, of the let things. Let me respond to that. One, okay. okay, because I'm saying that in the Hebrew text, there are more words that means a 24-hour period than than something as a period or eon or ages or you know the day of atonement. Atonement is a day. Okay. Uh, this is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. The word Yom to me has more weight in being a 24-hour period. Is it always used that way? No. Okay. Uh, uh, there are variants to it, but I think even Jesus gives weight to the 24-hour period. Okay. And There's only like 6,000 words in Hebrew. And we've got like 4 million in the American language. So they have a very limited pool to draw from to communicate these big ideas and they speak in concept not in little words i mean wait uh, a minute yeah. hebrew people tend to speak in concepts instead of the literal word you know that and i know that okay so when we read something written by hebrews in an ancient context maybe we should look for the concept more than the literal word and what does the concept mean? Does the concept mean a little word, or does it mean that? And that's what the argument yeah. we're having yeah. here is. I'm saying in this context, it means more literal than it does the uh, concept of the word. Let's look at everything that happened on the sixth day. So here's a list of things that happened on the sixth day. He was tired. He and this, uh, he, he's, I mean, he's already done a lot. Um, land animals were created. Yes. God formed Adam out of the earth and breathed life into him. Yes. God planted a garden in Eden and put man to, in the garden to work it. God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. So here we have this natural process. God commanded Adam not to eat of the tree of knowledge. After creating Adam, God said, I will make future tents a helper suitable for him. God brought all the cattle, beasts of the field, and birds of the air to Adam for him to name. Adam named all the animals, but did not find a suitable helper uh, comparable to him. God then puts Adam to sleep and removed a rib from him. God made woman from the rib. God brought the woman to Adam. God blessed Adam and Eve and told them to be fruitful and multiply all of that on the sixth day. So when some of the arguments that I've heard is like, okay, if it's a 24-hour period, how is Adam naming all the beasts of the ground, the birds of the air. Um, how is he naming all of those things? God says, I'm going to create for him a helper future tense. 
but it's literally only like 30 minutes away. How does Adam um, long and not find a suitable helper? I mean, is, is he got ADD? Is, is, is he, uh, is his testosterone level so high on day one? He's like, I need a girlfriend now. And he's impatient. Or is there a time where he's recognizing that his soul is missing something? Like there, there's a relational connection that he's missing. And it took him a long time to figure that out. And it was this whole process of naming all the animals. But some young earth creationists say that Adam in the garden had superpowers and could name all the animals really, really fast. And that to me just sounds like that is uh, an unnecessary addition that I don't see in scripture. I don't have an answer to that. Number one, because I don't, I wasn't there that day. Uh, but, you know, you know, like Paul got caught up into the third heavens. You know, mm -hmm. we have those, how long was he there? Mm -hmm. Was it three years that he's caught up into the third heavens? Mm -hmm. uh, was he really there? Again, time to me, God controls time. Mm hmm. And this is another whole discussion there. Because mm -hmm. I believe, you know, right now there's no such thing as heaven. You know, he hasn't created heaven yet. Mm -hmm. You know, when he comes back, the then Christ rise first, the Romanian is caught with him, mm -hmm. and then we'll go with him to our heavenly place. So, you know, when somebody dies, they go to paradise. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how long are you in paradise? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how long has Adam been in paradise? Mm -hmm. How long has Moses been in paradise? You know, how long has my mom been in paradise? My dad been in paradise? Well, I believe that paradise is a place that has no time. Mm -hmm. See, God created in Genesis 1 at the beginning. He created time, space, and matter. Those three things he said existed. Mm -hmm. Before that, there was no such thing as time. There yeah. was no no time. You know, when we say this in, in Amazing Grace, when we been there 10,000 years, mm -hmm. there's no time in heaven. Time was created for this world. So you can always say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. So when we get to heaven, we, it's not going to be, there's not a watch. There's not a sense of time. Mm -hmm. We are so bound by time because of the creation. You know, the 24 hours is a cycle of life. The sun and moon rise. It's are, relative to us. It's relative to us. Yeah. It has nothing to do with eternity. Right. Past or eternity, future. We have a yeah. very moment here where we are caught up in time. And so... When I leave this world, I go to a timeless place, paradise. So guess what? This is what I, I, I longly believe. Now, is it theological? I don't know. I just have a deep gut feeling on this as reading the scriptures. One is that when Moses got there, he got there the same day Adam did. Yeah, okay? I like this theory. And, yeah. and Noah got there the same day. You know. And when I get to heaven, I'll get there the same day that Adam and Eve got there, yeah. and the same day Jesus comes back. Yeah. It is, there's no description, of, there's no time. Mm -hmm. So we all get to paradise the same time, Jesus come back, get us. So when I die and go to be with the Father and go to heaven, yes, they died and went to heaven. In their time, they do. Uh, yeah. I've always liked this theory. It's like, I think it's called the, uh, if you've never heard of it, I think it's the quantum time theory. I've never heard of it. Yeah, no. you never heard of it no, before? No, I just that came on. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard of that too, where we, it's, uh, when I die, it'll be as though we all died at the same time. And God brings us back. He's like, he's transforming the earth. And one day we all rise again. Yeah. And, you know, the dead in Christ rise first, the brown yeah. in the sky. Um, all the, all the, all we get caught in the sky, just come back down. Like this, this, this is heaven. Um, uh, was a Cindy Lauper song? Ooh, baby, do you know what it's worth? Heaven is a place on earth. Um, I, I think God terraforms this planet. I don't. I don't think. On that. Well, I don't think the enemy gets any victory. Yeah. I don't think God's going to yeah. even give him the, you, you know, whatever it takes. But in the blink of an eye, he can turn this back into the Garden of Eden. Um, and so, I mean, I like those ideas. Uh, scripture says that. Uh, a day is like a thousand years to God, right? Psalms 90. And so when I read that, I go, then why are we being so picky about this being a literal 24 hour period? Mm -hmm. If I have, if I have seven or eight, you know, uh, in the Bible, you had to have two or three witnesses. If I have nine or 10 witnesses, independent, peer reviewed, 
and they all seem to point towards an old earth. And the Bible leaves room for that. Not only does it leave room for it, I think it makes a stronger case for that than it does for a young earth. Then I think these discussions should be open. What I find, old earth people tend not to think that young earth, uh, though I did call them flat earthers, I repent. Um, I'm not a flat earther. I, I find the young earthers tend to be more fundamentalist in that view and that they question the very salvation of those who are old earth, right? They, they, they get really upset. See, I, I, that's, that, I don't fall in that We camp. don't have, no, that, that's why we can have this discussion. There's a lot of people I can't have yeah. this discussion with. And we have discussion 50 years from now, we're probably having a different discussion because yeah. you have matured or I have. I love changing you know? my mind. I love changing my mind. Because yeah. um, I, I want to grow and mature yeah. in my faith, and I don't know it all now. Yeah. But this is what I fear. I fear the world watching this debating over where it's 24 hours a day or a thousand year day or mm-hmm. a timeless day or shifting day. And all of a sudden they go, is the Christians can't figure out the first book of the Bible, how we know anything else is right. You know, there is, there is a, we get, we get put in the media for the things that we are struggling with. And I think, you know, Augustine struggled with it. I mean, that's one of the things he said, Genesis, he's, I think everyone just great, really feel like he had it all Figure it out. Well, I'm glad know. I could figure it out for him. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that uh, we, you know, we are saying, uh, I need to say the world number one, we are united or what mm-hmm. Christ has done for us. Yep. That God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Whoever believeth him should not perish. Uh, Wait, perish? That sounds like it, it's yeah. final. Like yeah. those who die. <laughs> yeah, separated from You can God check the annihilation uh, episode for so, that one. So anyway, that... That that there is such large chunks of the scripture mm-hmm. that we all we know that is evident and is yeah. true through the resurrection of Christ. There's more proof of resurrection than you know George Washington being alive. Yeah. I mean, there's more documents and more you know. The, uh, the, these are what we call leaf issues on a tree. They're not yeah, the trunk. They're not the leaves trunk. fall, leaves grow. Um, it doesn't change the nature of the tree. The, the, the trunk of the tree and we, we agree on the trunk of the tree um, there's there's one more verse and then we'll close because I know we've got to wrap up but Hosea 6.2 uh, says after two days he will revive us up on the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him now Hosea is not talking about a literal day here we have the numbers like day two day three using the word yom and it, it is figurative it's trying to communicate a story uh, I think as um, I think the young earth model is dying and uh, it won't be I don't think it's been around that long and I don't think it'll be around uh, much longer especially as we're starting to understand kind of Hebrew better and uh, the time of Moses writing and we're seeing the other literary styles that existed at yeah. the time and we see Oh, there's a lot of times the Old Testament is literally just thumbing its nose at these false gods. Like it, there, there's these little jabs and insults. And then we read it uh, thousands of years later and we're like, see, dinosaurs walked with Adam, you know, and we're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see that in there. But, and I think that you'll see a more stronger evidence for a new earth. Uh, because as we we go in cycles, here was for these many years after the scripture was written, it was that. And also when you go through these, science comes up and things rattle our cages and then we try to find other answers to it. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the beginning and say, hey, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We had day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, the rest day seven. And we put that number one to it, it was 24 hours. So I think um, much of what we see was reactionary to Darwinism. Um, and it was a response out of fear that science was going to disprove God. So we responded this way. And I think that we go, okay, yeah. science is actually a tool of God. Science and yeah. theology are two languages, two different languages saying the same thing. And science is newer than theology. Mm-hmm. Okay, so science is a brand new you know, if you go back to Galileo, which is not that long ago, mm-hmm. when they begin to have, you know, uh, Newton, you know, yeah. had the apple hit him on the head. Also, who was, an, who was an old earth creationist? 
So, uh, yeah. Jurassic Newton, yeah. Because he was a scientist. Yeah. Because so. <laughs> he followed the evidence and anything. Okay. He followed, uh, evidence as far as he knew. As far as he knew. Okay. Yeah. Does he know? I, we're going to discover more and more in science. And I think more science comes, you know, uh, proven. I think the more the scripture is going to verify, the science will verify scripture is true. So let's hedge your bets. Uh, and uh, meet us in heaven and we'll find out from the yeah, creator from yourself. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Which one of us gets to punch Adam for ruining everything? Oh, yeah. yeah. So where's Adam at? Where's Long Hey, on? come here. We need to talk. <laughs> it's yeah. like, but if it would have made it to me, I would have screwed it up anyway. Yeah. So thank you for being here on the podcast. We had you on. Uh, were you the first? I was the get? first one. You were the first one. Years ago. Um, so you are the final one. Uh, it's been a great year for Dog Backwards. Thank you guys for listening. The podcast continues to grow. Uh, we're going to be on Roku coming up. I just talked to them not too long ago. They hope to have it up and running, uh, Roku channel, um, by the uh, beginning of the year. So somebody look at January and February. We'll keep you up to date. You won't hear from me till February. If you would like to support this podcast, uh, do the normal things. Leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you find your podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That really helps us out the most. If you would like to donate, you can go to calebmore.tv. There's a little donate button, or you can order my book. That's a great way to support uh, the ministry that we do. And uh, the book's not half bad. We got another one in the works. Let's see if we can get it done in 2022. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you got any books coming out? What do you got? Well, I got a number of books coming out. So uh, uh, we're going to book calling out Jesus Wasn't a Hooker. So that's a... Uh, that sounds fun. <laughs> well... Yeah. It's all about uh, Jesus calling fishermen. Mm -hmm. And when he called them, they weren't casting with a hook. They were using nets. Mm -hmm. And he called people who knew how to handle nets. Mm -hmm. And at Day Christianity, we talk about Jesus uh, was a fisherman. Everybody think hooks. Mm -hmm. And hook hurts. And hook only catches one. And net catches them safely. And mm -hmm. catches many. So Safely until they're eaten. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. there, there's a difference between yeah. uh, a net mentality and a hook mentality. Mm -hmm. And we have become uh, basically a generation of how can we hook the next person out Ooh, there. that's good. Yeah, that's So good. we're wanting to move toward uh, understanding Jesus' method of doing his ministry. Can they go to your website and order any of your previous books? Yeah, they can go to uh, back40back40.org. Mm -hmm. Get some of my yeah. books. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Moore. And it helps me to keep my kids going. Yes, so yes. Help us Your both. donation to him helps me eventually. So. Yeah. All right. Take care.